You are now tuned in to the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? The following podcast is a production of the network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. Welcome to the Herd and Ten Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Futinski. Welcome to another episode of the Herd and Ten podcast, part of the network, and that can be found on bicbp-radio.com. I'm your host, Jake Fortinsky. You can find me on Twitter at jfortinskynfl. You can also check out our dedicated Twitter and Facebook accounts at Heard and 10. So, another week, and we are really close to the beginning of Buffalo Bills football. We didn't get preseason. We didn't get to see a lot of training camp, but we are going to see our Buffalo Bills on Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Man. This is going to be awesome and a great way to start the season playing a divisional rival in the New York Jets. I like it. I think it's a damn good matchup for the Bills. I think the Jets are in shambles. I think they haven't figured out their identity and I think the Bills are going to be able to stick it to them. But the Bills are going to have to follow a formula to actually win this game. You know, I've said this before. There's no match that's a walk in the park. These are still NFL teams. Like I said, the Jets are in shambles, but that doesn't mean they're not an NFL team. They are still a professional sports team. They are still going to challenge the Bills. They are still going to make plays. You know, I, I think that sometimes people watch a game and they see the Bills give up yards on a play or Allen fumble it or throw an interception or a receiver drop a ball. And yes, some of that's unforced. But a lot of it is because you're playing another opponent. There is another team on the field that's going to make plays. They're going to make things difficult. They're not going to make things easy. They're going to make things difficult for receivers. They're going to make Josh Allen's job as hard as they can possibly make it. And they're going to try to put up points on our defense. So the Buffalo Bills have an amazing defense, but it doesn't mean they're never going to give up points or they're never going to give up chunk plays. It's going to happen. So if you think that you're going to watch the game and have zero stress and we're just going to dominate the entire time and the Jets aren't going to get a point, I'd say you're crazy because they are. They're going to get points. Do I think the Bills are going to win? Yes. Do I hope they blow out the Jets? Yes. But it's very possible this game could be closer than many think it will be. It's the start of the season. Teams are rusty. And that includes the Bills. Yes, they've brought back a lot of the same players. Yes, they have a very talented team. But that doesn't mean they're just going to bulldoze teams. It doesn't mean they're going to walk all over the Jets. But I hope that it means they're going to win. Like, in the end of the day, I don't really care how they win, as long as they win. The, the Bills had plenty of dirty wins last year, scrappy dogfight wins, and I'm fine with that. It's exciting. I mean, I'd like to see them blow out some teams. It would be nice to have a team that we can be confident, that can go in and, and destroy mediocre teams. I would love that. But I also have to understand that there's going to be times where the Bills 
surprise us and not in the good way. They're, they might have some games that are not as good as we would like or not as clean as we would like to see. And that's okay. So I want to just, before I get into a couple specific segments that I, that I want to do on, on this first episode of the beginning of the season, sort of first game week or yeah, for first week um, that we actually have a game. I don't know what to call it. It's not game day, but um, game week. We have game week. And I'm going to do a few segments to um, emphasize that. But I just want to mention that I do have a special guest coming on shortly. And so I won't keep this segment too long. But um, I just want to break down a couple things before I bring on that guest because with that guest, we are definitely going to be taking a deep look at the Bills matchup this week. And more importantly, some of the things that, that the Bills decided on with regards to the 53-man roster. But I want to just mention one thing before I jump into my latest segment, which is Tredavious White. Great signing. Uh, Tredavious White, superstar cornerback. He's the Bills' number one cornerback. He's arguably the best cornerback in the NFL. Uh, you know, whether he's the best or second best or third best, I mean, there's no question he's in the top three. And I think that many would argue, and myself included, that he is the best cornerback in the NFL. And the Bills have locked him into a deal. He was locked into a four-year extension. And it's great. The Bills are going to have him for the long haul. They're going to have him for a lot longer. Obviously, he still had a year or two uh, left on his contract, um, but they have locked him into a four-year extension. And I'm just looking here at the exact numbers. Don't want to make, don't want to get those wrong. He, yeah, he signed for seventy million, and fifty-five million of it guaranteed. He is a, f- believe the highest-paid cornerback in the NFL. That is the largest guaranteed contract that a cornerback in the NFL has ever received. Now, granted, I don't think that will last long. I think there's some other superstar cornerbacks that are coming up in the next year or so, and they're probably going to get more, and his contract will look even better. I honestly don't think it's a bad contract. Personally, I thought he was going to get roughly $20 million maybe a tad below 20 million maybe 19 so i believe his average per year is is a 17 and a half million so to me and i'm not going to say it's a bargain it's a lot of money but he is a very very talented player and if we could lock him in for under 20 million i think it's a good move i don't think we overpaid him i don't think we underpaid him and got a steal but we certainly did not overpay and that's I think a big motto for the Bills organization at least over the last few years with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott which is they will pay their players who play well but they're not going to overpay players they're not going to pursue guys and give them more than they deserve I mean I think there's an argument to be made that Trent Murphy was given a little too much Star Latulale was given it a little too much. And on with the guest that I'm going to have on soon, I'm definitely going to bring up Trent Murphy because I know that he doesn't feel the same. Um, and he feels that Trent Murphy is way overpaid, where I would say he's slightly overpaid. So we'll definitely be talking about that. But yeah, I just figured it's worth mentioning that Trey White is locked and loaded for a little while. And he's at a reasonable pay. He's making a lot of money, but it's certainly reasonable. Um, I think that it's nice to know that the Bills will have a top cornerback for the next bunch of years. And that's a good feeling. He's still young and he truthfully could get better. So it's uh, definitely a very good signing. And look, if you don't think it was a good signing or you do think it was a good signing and you agree with me, tweet me. Let me know. Um, If you disagree, you definitely need to send me a message on Twitter because 
I want to hear why you don't think that's a good signing. I hope that I don't get any messages saying that. But if you really are strongly against the signing, please let me know. Um, I want to jump in to a segment that will be something that I hope to do on a weekly basis. And this segment is called Weekly Wins. So... For the weekly wins, we need to do a few things. The Bills need to do a few things to win this game against the New York Jets. I've listed off three main things, and I'll just briefly explain each of them, and then we'll jump to the other side of things and how they'll lose the game or what they would need to do to lose the game. So they need to air it out. I think Josh Allen needs to be allowed to throw the ball and not just dinking and dunking. I don't want to just see four-yard, five-yard slants, you know, drag plays, screens. I mean, those are all great, and we should include those. But I want to see Allen let it rip. I want to see 20 yards down the field. I want to see 40-yard bombs, and those don't have to be constant. You know, he doesn't need to throw six or seven bombs down the field. But I would like to see Josh Allen make some big-time plays. Throw the ball to that mid to long range. You know, 15 yards plus, 20 yards plus. I would like to see that consistently done. And with receivers like John Brown and Stefan Diggs, we need to take advantage. We need to let them burn some rubber, burn some defensive backs. And it should be noted, the New York Jets do not have a strong secondary. They have a solid defensive line, and they have solid linebackers. But their defensive backs, you know, their cornerbacks and their safeties are, I would say, mainly unproven and not super talented. And I think because of that, the Bills need to take advantage of that. The Bills need to focus on throwing the ball. And if Allen needs to throw it 35-plus times... I am game for that. The next thing, the Bills need to win at or on the lines. And and more specifically, I would say their defensive line needs to beat down on the Jets' offensive line. The reason I want to focus on that is because the Bills spent so much money and time building up their defensive line this past offseason. And with that, there's some high expectations. And... As many of you know, and if you don't know, the Jets' offensive line is quite poor. They are one of the lowest-ranked offensive lines, and the Bills need to dominate them. And they need to put pressure on Sam Darnold. Because if you don't, Sam Darnold is a competent quarterback. Look, is he probably overvalued? Yes. Do a lot of people around the league think he's better than he is? I would say so, but he's still a competent quarterback. And if you give him time and if you let, you know, Le'Veon Bell run all over your defensive line, Darnold's going to have a good day. So you better find a way to beat down on their offensive line and place a lot of pressure on Darnold and his superstar running back, Le'Veon Bell. And the last thing, I would say this is the other or third main reason or key point as to how the Bills will win and that's make Sam Darnold make big time throws really test him maybe even egg him on leave some openings so he thinks that he can go deep and then close in on it the Jets don't have a particularly strong receiving core and Darnold has shown that he can struggle if there's a lot of pressure, or if he's forced to make big-time throws. So I would like to see the Bills do that. Test him. Make him beat you with incredible throws. Don't just let him throw 5-yard, 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 and gain first downs that way. Force him to throw down the field so that you can pick him off. Deflect passes. Make him beat you with his arm. Because if you don't, I think he can pick you apart. He's a smart enough quarterback that if you give him time, like I mentioned, if you don't force him to make difficult throws, he will beat you. So you definitely need to do those. 
as for our next segment. This is lazy losses. Be content in the second half. So this is the way the Bills are going to lose if they play a content game in the second half. Meaning they take a big lead in the first half and take a big step back in the second half. You know, don't make a lot of big plays. Just sort of run down the time, punt a lot, maybe take some deep field goals. That is not the way you solidify a win. If the Bills remain complacent or content in the second half, I could see them slipping away and potentially losing this game. So they really need to avoid that. They also, if they play conservative defense, like I said, make Darnold make difficult throws. Make him beat you with his arm. If you play conservatively and you give cushion to the receivers, you're going to make Darnold's job too easy. Don't make it easy on him. If you do that, he will pick you apart. He's good enough to do that. And thirdly, don't handcuff Allen. If the Bills handcuff Allen, they will probably lose. If they don't let him air it out, if they don't let him make big throws or take some risks, the Bills might lose this game. You can't just handcuff him and let him hand off the ball and dink and dunk. That is not the way you win games properly. I don't want to see the Bills winning 13-7. to Look, like I said before, I would be happy if they win, but I don't really want to see them win that way. If they do, you know what? Like I said, a win is a win. But I would like to see the Bills actually let Allen throw. I want to see Allen go for a 300-yard-plus passing game. Would it be so terrible to see him do that? And I think handcuffing him could cause them to lose. So those are my weekly wins and lazy losses. And those are the ways the Bills can win or lose to the New York Jets this week. Now, in a moment, we're going to have a special guest. And it's none other than my brother, Kevin. He is... (laughs) And I've said this before, he's been on the show previously before it was on this network, and he is a ton of fun. We have so much fun together. We both love the Bills. Again, if you are a serious Bills fan, you're going to love us. We bicker, we agree with some stuff, but we challenge each other. We both know a lot about the Bills, and we both love our Buffalo Bills. So we're going to just take a quick break. We're going to have a quick commercial, and then when we get back, we are going to be talking 53-man roster and what we think of it and sort of if there were any surprises. Then I'm going to hit Kevin with some rapid questions, and we're also, of course, going to talk the matchup this week, the Buffalo Bills versus the New York Jets. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in just a moment. Thanks. Bill's season is here, but tailgates will have to wait. But there is a new way to connect with your Bill's Mafia and other sports fans. Let me tell you about this new app called Playing the Field. Playing the Field is a dating and community app made exclusively for sports fans. By Playing the Field, you can connect with sports fans for any reason you want. Want to find a friend that won't ask questions when you say you need a table? Someone to go to a game with or just grab a few beers and wings? Need an extra player for your weekly hockey game? Playing the field also helps you find your MVP by offering a dating app that removes the inconvenience of having to scroll through multiple profiles just to find a sports fan. Playing the field is available on the web at playthefielddating.com and we'll have iOS and Android versions later this season. Playing the Field is founded by a member of the Bills Mafia, so you will also be supporting one of your own. Please take a look at our show notes for more information on Playing the Field and their podcast, The Fan Experience. 
welcome back to the Herd and Ten podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed that commercial and you will check out Playing the Field. It's truly an incredible app. Now, as I mentioned before, I have a special guest here with me, Kevin Fertinsky. And he's been on previously and he is my brother, if you're wondering why we have the same last name. And he's also a diehard Bills fan. So bringing him on is always fun because we both love to talk Bills and we both have a lot to say. So welcome, Kevin, to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Go Bills. I can't wait for the season to start in a couple days. Uh, We've been anticipating this for months. Uh, Obviously, with the coronavirus pandemic, it's been not the most fun period of time. And I just can't, can't wait for the season to get started again. Yeah, no, it's it's super exciting, and uh, you know it's unbelievable that we're gonna have Buffalo Bills football in just a few days. What I want to talk about first is the 53-man roster. Now, a lot of shows now have obviously talked about that already, but we want to give our take on it and more specifically talk a little bit about some of those um, third string type uh, spots. And I think some of those players that maybe surprised us that made the roster. So I'll let you start it off, Kevin. I think probably we should start with uh, fullback and tight end, just because I think there's something interesting there with Reggie Gilliam. Yeah, I mean, I think it will be interesting to see what kind of role he has on the roster. If it's just special teams or if he's actually going to get in the game as either a fullback or a tight end or both. Um, Will they use a a fullback this year without DeMarco? Um, It was interesting when the depth chart sort of came out. I think he was listed only as a tight end. Is Is that correct? Yeah, he was switched from fullback to tight end, and they also changed his number um, which which was interesting, but yeah, I think I think that that plays a part in what position he's actually going to be playing moving forward, or if he is going to be a hybrid player. Yeah, I mean, I don't see anyone else on the roster really playing as a fullback. The only other pure blocker you would say is Lee Smith, and I certainly don't want to see him on the field more than he has already been. We've discussed it before. I'm not a big fan of Lee Smith. I think he takes too many penalties. Um, He offers nothing in the passing game, and he seems to get slower every year. I'm not sure what they see in him in general. His blocking might be okay, but I think it's negated by all the penalties he takes. So it will be interesting to see whether they have Gilliam play fullback or whether they just get rid of that position, um, which hasn't really worked out for the last few years with DeMarco. I don't think he added much to the offense. He's been playing less and less with each year gone by. So I'd like to just see us maybe have two running backs on the field at once. Let's see Devin Singletary and Zach Moss both on uh, and, you know, do some misdirection with that. I'd like to I'd like to see more of that going forward. Yeah, I like the point you bring up when with the fact that DeMarco was used less and less every season and more importantly for those of you who don't know he has been released um and is not a Buffalo Bill anymore and I think that it's important to note that because the Bills are obviously moving in a different direction and Kevin I think you're probably right. I think that we're going to see some two um running back sets and it should be noted that previously in the Buffalo Bills scrimmage just a couple of weeks ago, there was a play that was recorded and put on Twitter showing a screen pass being tossed to Singletary. And what's interesting is Zach Moss was seen on the field as well, which probably means that you're right. There are going to be some two running back sets, and that's exciting. And I think it also creates um, some sort of illusion and and really can confuse the defense when you have essentially three running backs back there because you have Josh Allen, who we all know is one of the most talented runners in the NFL. And if NFL defenses aren't prepared for that, then they're going to get crushed because he is an incredible runner. And then obviously you have Devin Singletary, who showed flashes of brilliance last year, and rookie running back Zach Moss. So 
to have two running backs side by side or, you know, on each end of, of Josh Allen and having Josh Allen, I feel like there's going to be so many opportunities for the Bills to run trick plays and, you know, run read option plays that where the defense won't know if it's Zach Moss getting the ball, Devin Singletary getting the ball, or Josh Allen taking it himself. So I think that that's really interesting. And yeah, for me, I think that Reggie Gilliam is going to be a hybrid player. I think that, you know, given the fact that we don't have a fullback really on the roster anymore. I think he's going to fill that void, at least for the limited number of times we need a fullback. And then more more excitingly, I think there's a chance for him to do some damage in tight end. Obviously, you have Dawson Knox and Tyler Croft and unfortunately Lee Smith. But I think that there's still room for a player like Gilliam, who I think brings some of that blocking ability that we've seen in Lee Smith maybe way in the past, but he also provides some pass catching ability like Dawson Knox and like Tyler Croft. So I think that there's some opportunities there. Um, I think the next um, position I really want us to look at is probably on the defensive side, you know, it maybe not a specific position, but just in general, if there were any surprises for you on the defensive um, side of the ball. And, you know, it's probably in the linebacking core, but I guess I'm curious to see your thoughts there. Yeah, I mean, from everything we heard about training camp, and there wasn't a lot of information, um, Terrell Dotson was a guy they, they seemed to really like. And many writers thought he would make the roster. And turns out, you know, they get rid of um, our fifth round draft pick from last year, Voshan Joseph. They get rid of a guy who mainly played special teams, but even got on the field on defense last year in Corey Thompson. And they keep Terrell Dodson, who was suspended for a portion of last year and then went to injured reserve. And then they keep Delshawn Phillips, who I don't think anyone knew who he was, hadn't heard his name even as a possibility of making the roster in the training camp. So those were two definite surprises. Obviously, uh, Delshawn Phillips, I think, will be strictly a special teams guy. But who knows? Maybe he'll make it to the field. Let's hope there's no major injuries to the linebacking core that force him in. Um, but maybe maybe he'll be a really good special teams player. You know, young guys come in. Maybe they're a bit faster, a little more athleticism, bring something else to the table. or he'll Or he'll be healthy scratch on game day. I don't know. Terrell Dodson, another guy, seems to be a primary uh, backup for the linebacking core. So he may see some time on defense. It, it'll be interesting to see those guys. Um, the, the, other, the other only surprise, not a cut, but um, from the depth chart the other day, is that Epineza is going to be a third stringer to start the year, which is interesting, sort of gives me an idea of why they kept Trent Murphy. We speculated earlier in training camp that Trent Murphy would get cut and maybe, you know, you'd slide in Mario Addison and have Epineza come in to, you know, the second guy off the bench. And now he's, he's be buried on the depth chart behind Trent Murphy and Daryl Johnson. So that was interesting to see. So it looks like he's not ready to take the field, which is a bit disappointing as a second round pick. Um, it's disappointing that we still have Trent Murphy, you know, eating up so much salary cap. But if Epineza is not ready, that means we did need another defensive end to take that spot. And, you know, we still have Trent Murphy and Daryl Johnson who, you know, played sparingly last year. So we'll see how that develops. Yeah, and I think before I, I sort of respond to what you said, I just want to mention, for those of our listeners who don't know, A.J. Klein actually has some experience as a middle linebacker as well. And he's actually going to be, although he's the third hybrid starting linebacker, although we don't know exactly the percentage of snaps he's going to get throughout the season, but he's actually the primary backup. And if somehow Tremaine Edmonds were to go down and hopefully that doesn't happen and same story with Matt Milano, AJ Klein would actually be covering for them. So 
even if Tyrell Dodson is the backup, he really would be the fourth um, just because AJ Klein would be filling those spots. And I think the defense would adjust and maybe go with a two linebacker set, which a lot of the times they do anyways. But I just thought I'd note that. And as for the AJ Epinesa stuff, it's interesting you bring that up just because, yeah, I, I personally feel as though the Bills drafted him with the expectation that he was, if not going to start, he was at least going to be the primary backup to you know, a veteran like Mario Addison and that he'd be pulling 40, 50% of the snaps. But what it seems like is he just maybe wasn't quite ready and was a little more raw than the team had anticipated. And that's why Trent Murphy's still around. So it seems like they didn't necessarily think they were going to keep Trent Murphy, but just based on what they had seen in training camp. And, you know, it's also probably because of the pandemic. COVID has really put a wrench into things. You didn't have preseason. You didn't have a proper training camp. And because of that, a rookie like Epinesa maybe, you know, couldn't take the strides that he would normally take. And therefore we needed to keep a veteran like Trent Murphy. And, you know, Kevin, you and I have talked about this off of this podcast, which is, uh, you know, I don't think we're in full agreement about Trent Murphy, but I think we both agree on the fact that He's making too much money. I think you're more opposed to to having him on the team. You you feel like he doesn't belong. And for me, I, I don't necessarily think he doesn't belong. You know, I, I would love to see Mario Addison and Epinesa take over and not see Trent Murphy. But I also understand that having a veteran of his caliber is still important. And even if he's making, you know, two, three million more than he should, if he's the difference between us making the playoffs or us making the Super Bowl. I would gladly pay that two to three million. And I'm not the owner. I'm not paying that money. But still, I think the point here is that he's not, you know, a terrible player. He's just being overpaid. And that's okay. Sometimes you're going to have those mistakes. And fortunately, as I mentioned in the first segment, the Bills did not make that same mistake with Tredavious White because Tredavious White is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. And at this point in time, he's making less than Jalen Ramsey, who, in my opinion, is not as good as Trey White. So um, I think that that's important to note as well. Um, you know, I, I think that at least covers some of uh, the interesting things we saw in the 53-man roster and some maybe surprising moves the Bills made or things that we didn't necessarily expect to see. But I would like to talk about a couple other things before we get to the Bills and Jets matchup, which is just in a few days. And there's a couple things here, one being Jake Fromm not practicing um, a little bit before games, not being at those main practices. And it seems, though, as though the reason is due to COVID. They want to make sure that there is a quarterback that doesn't have COVID, that if somehow Josh Allen and Matt Barkley were to get COVID and potentially Davis Webb as he's on the practice squad, if they were all to go down with COVID, that Jake Fromm would be available. And it's unfortunate because it might stunt his growth. And I'll let you uh, talk a little bit about that. But it's just interesting that they would do that. I mean, I think it makes sense. It's just there's some there's some cons to doing that as well. Yeah, it's pretty bizarre. If you don't have him practicing with the team, then – how is he really going to be ready to play? He's a rookie. By all accounts, he looked pretty lousy during training camp. Obviously, we didn't have any preseason games, so it's hard to know exactly. But what's been written up is that he did not look good in training camp. So how ready is he going to be? Is that even going to be better than bringing in some veteran last minute to fill in for, for a starting first starting quarterback position for one week, you know, um, it, it's hard, it's hard to know, you know, let's hope that it doesn't come down to that. Um, it would be pretty disastrous if all of our quarterbacks get COVID and then we have to play with Jake Fromm, who hasn't even been to practice for most of the year. That would be bizarre. And our defense would have to play out of their minds. Um, for whatever game, whoever we're playing that week, um, but yeah, it's it's a strange year. It's another strange thing that's going to happen this year. I wonder 
what other teams are doing if they're doing something similar. Um, but yeah, it seems seems like it might stunt his growth and affect him moving forward. We we do want him to develop and hopefully be our backup next year in a more normal year. But I guess only time will tell if this was the right move or not. Yeah, so the next thing I want to talk about, and I think this will be more fun than anything else for me, is I want to do some rapid fire statements, questions, and then basically what I'm going to have you do is give me a one to two word response to explain that or describe that person. So in this segment, I guess, I'm going to basically name off three different people. And they're obviously, of course, all within the Bills organization. And you're going to be able to basically give one or two words to describe what they mean to you or or a feeling that they bring out or an emotion or, or something like that. We'll start off with the defensive side of the ball with Trey Davius White. Superstar. I like that. I think that that describes him perfectly. Nothing uh, left to talk about there. Next player, Josh Allen. Potential. Yeah, I think that that describes him well too because I'll just break in a little here just because obviously we've seen that every year he's taken a step forward, but he's not quite where we need him to be. And potential is really describes what, what we're hoping from him. We are hoping for big things and hopefully this season is the year that he brings those big things. And lastly, Sean McDermott. Confident and organized. Yeah, I like that. I think that that's really what he brings. And I think that you can see that from the players. You see that the Buffalo Bills are always confident that they have a chance to win. And they never seem to be disorganized. They always know where to be. I mean, it's not to say there aren't mistakes sometimes, but for the most part, and I'll mention this because the team before McDermott was super disorganized, which was Rex Ryan's Buffalo Bills. So it's nice to see a team that's organized and confident. And and him and Bean are totally in sync. They work, they, they work as a great team together. One, you don't want one without the other, really. They got to lock up Bean. Yeah, no, it's true. The, the two of them are just on the same page. They want the same things. They have the same plans. You know, they come with the same values. And that's why you see such an incredible organization now, such a consistent organization where the players are getting the same you know, comments from the general manager and from the coach. And more importantly, the general manager is signing the players that the coach wants. And this brings us to, well, I don't want to jump straight into, into the Jets segment, but I do at least want to talk about the predictions for this season. On the Bruce Nolan exclusive which is on Buffalo Rumblings, the host, Bruce Nolan, gave his predictions of the Bills' record for this upcoming season. And I got to be honest, I was pretty pissed off hearing that. And I know he mentioned in the show that he understands some people are going to be upset, but it's kind of ridiculous. You're a host of a Bills-focused and Bills-dedicated podcast where you know the majority of the listeners are Bills fans. And the Bills fans are finally excited. We finally have something to be excited about. We have a team that went to the playoffs last year, a team that hopefully improved from last season and will make the playoffs again. No one wants to hear negativity. And he said that the Bills were going to go 9-7. and seven. And it's just crazy. It's so negative. I, I don't know, Kevin, do you want to give your take on that? Because I'm pretty pissed off about it, to be honest. I mean, we have our most talented team in almost 30 years. I, I don't think that's really disputed. Um, top to bottom, the roster looks great from our from our new additions, Stefan Diggs, to the defensive line, 
um, th- really throughout the roster, uh, a stud, hopefully a stud rookie running back. We have to be improved from last year. Otherwise, it's, it's really concerning. We, uh, to me, I think nine and seven is a, is, is a bit of a slap in the face to Bills fans. Like I think to even predict that at this point when, you know, our hopes are sky high, you know, we, we think that this team could be a Super Bowl contender. So I, I don't think anything less than 11 and five for someone who really knows this team is reasonable just because of uh, the roster that's been put together and the progress we've made in the last three years. Um, if you, if you know this team inside and out, you know, they're better than a nine and seven team like that to me, a nine and seven is if we get hit by injuries and things go really, really wrong. That's a, that would be a disappointing season. I think 11 and five is, is reasonable. I, I think we can even do, I think we can even go 12 and four. My earlier prediction on your podcast was 11 and five, but I think we can go as high as 12 and four. Nine and seven would be a disaster. Um, and I just, I don't think this team um, is going to have that sort of letdown. I think our coaching staff is too good. And, and I think we're going to win the division and 11 wins to me, that's where, I think we're going to be. And it comes back to that next man up mentality. Even if you have some injuries, and of course, if you lose significant players like Josh Allen or Tredavious White, yes, your team is not going to be the same. But for the most part, when a guy goes down, especially in an organization like the Bills, it's next man up. The next guy's got to come up and be comparable to the guy before and do his absolute best. And if we do that and we keep, like you mentioned, the injuries to a minimum, there's no way that we could go nine and seven. And Bruce Nolan did mention that that he thought they were going to go nine and seven and still make the playoffs. Now, I understand there's that extra wild card spot. But in my opinion, if you're getting that extra wild card spot, you're not really making the playoffs. You are, but it's so difficult walking into the playoffs like that. It doesn't feel as sweet. It kind of just feels like, hey, we feel bad. You know, you had an okay season. Here's a playoff ticket. It's not enough. And if they go nine and seven, they might not make the playoffs. They might not even get that extra wild card spot. So I just, I thought I had to mention it. Just, I was too upset to hear that. As such a dedicated Bills fan, I try to be as positive as I can. And obviously, as a Bills fan, both you and I, as Bills fans, We've gone through the ups and downs, and mainly it's been downs. And we need to just be as positive as we can. So to listen to other podcasters talk about the Bills going 9-7 and seven when we're trying to be so positive this year, because like you had mentioned, this is arguably the best roster we've had in 30 years. So don't sell us short. Don't give us a 9-7 and seven prediction. I get that you have a show and you're trying to do your best and you're trying to be as honest as you can, but sometimes you have to be a little bit more positive and not be pessimistic and really just look at the glasses half full, you know, and I, I pride myself on being like that. I try to be more positive than negative. And that's why I agree with you, Kev. I think they're going to go 11 and five. And that's what I predicted previously. But look, they could push upwards of 12 and four. 13 and 3 I think we're we're reaching but they're going to have a solid winning season and 9 and 7 is not that. Um I think that that's enough. I, you know, I don't want to dig into Bruce any more than that and I hope he checks it out and he at least appreciates that we're listening and we're responding to him and you know, he's got a great listener base and I just, you know, as a fan of his, I I had to comment on that. So Yeah, one last note on that. We were happy with nine and seven three years ago, you know, breaking the the long playoff drought. We were thrilled. This year, we're a way better team. You can't even compare us to the team three years ago. We have to be better than nine and seven. Nine and seven would be extremely disappointing and would probably mean a quick exit in the playoffs. So I'm looking for us to be better than that. I'm looking for us to host a playoff game and win that playoff game at minimum this year. That's what I'm looking forward to seeing. 
Yeah, so let's jump into the season. So we talk about the Bills making the playoffs. Well, it all starts in week one, and the Bills are taking on the New York Jets. And I think a lot of people think this is going to be a cakewalk. And I talked about this in the first segment. I really don't think that. I think the Jets, although are not a particularly good team, they are still an NFL team. And I said this in the first segment. They have a competent quarterback in Sam Darnold. Keyword being competent. Meaning, I don't think he's going to get blown out. I think he'll find a way to put some points up. But I also don't think he's going to be excellent and he's going to pick apart the Bills' defense. So, for me, I don't see this being a blowout. I see it being a victory for the Bills, but I certainly don't see it being a blowout. Uh, what do you think, Kevin? Yeah, I, I, I think that it's hard to know exactly what's going to come out of the gate because there was no preseason. We know very little about the players on each team. I mean, there's more consistency for the Bills from last year. The Jets basically had to blow it up. They lost their best defender. Um, They went out and got a totally new offensive line. They got new receivers. Um, they have very little consistency from last year where the Bills have a lot more consistency. So to me, from last year, this year, it's even more important this year to have that consistency because there was no preseason games. So this is the first time these guys have ever played together. The Bills are returning almost all their offensive line. They're, they're starting running back. Two of the three starting receivers. Um, on defense, obviously, it's pretty consistent. The de- defensive line has changed for sure, but the secondary is the same, minus Josh Norman, who doesn't look like he's going to play this week. But we have a lot more consistency. I don't necessarily think we're going to blow the Jets out, but I do think we're going to win by two touchdowns. I think the Jets have just too many question marks. Um, their offense... I. I don't think it's going to be able to put up many points against our D. Just like I said, all five offensive linemen are different from, from last season for them. Their receivers, I mean, Chris Hogan was signed off the street a couple weeks ago, and he's starting. So I, I just, I remember Chris Hogan, he was a solid receiver, but he's not a starting caliber receiver, certainly not anymore um, in, the, in the NFL. And I think we're going to, we're going to take it to them this week, and it's going to be 1-0 and for the Bills. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think I also, it's funny, I'll, I'll give my score prediction a little later, but you mentioned a 14-point uh, differential, and I actually, my score prediction is a 14-point differential, so I'll, I'll talk about that a bit later. But I want to just mention, you know, we have two young quarterbacks drafted in the same draft, Sam Darnold, a little higher than Josh Allen. And I think a lot of analysts thought that Darnold had maybe not more potential, but that he was going to be a better quarterback, that Allen was so raw and had so many question marks that he may never become what an NFL team needs him to become, to be a proper starting quarterback. And I would argue that he's proven most of those doubters wrong. And Darnold has also proven most of those analysts wrong because Darnold has not been very good. And even with some of his good games, there's been just so much inconsistency, turnover after turnover, poor decision-making. And and it's not to say that Josh Allen hasn't done some of that as well, but Josh Allen is winning games. And I've talked about this before. I understand that quarterbacks and winning, you know, winning should not be a true quarterback stat. And it's not the most important stat. But it's still a stat that needs to be taken into consideration. And look, by no means are the Jets anywhere near as talented as the Bills. And, you know, some would argue that a lot of reason or the main reason why Allen has more wins is due to the fact that the Bills are a better roster. But I would also argue that Josh Allen has had some incredible comebacks that Darnold has not had. And that's really important too. Now, in this week one matchup, I don't think the Bills are going to be behind at probably any point in the game. I think that they'll be 
winning steadily the entire game. And Josh Allen won't need to carry the team on his back at the end and play hero ball to try to win a game and make a crazy comeback like he did last season. I don't see that happening. But I also understand that these two are a good matchup. I think that a lot of people would say they're pretty similar, at least in their development at this point. But, you know, I think Darnold's been hampered by the lack of teammates around him that are quality players. You know, you mentioned Chris Hogan. He's now starting for them as a receiver. And I think a lot of people would question him as a starting NFL receiver in the NFL um, just because he's probably not that anymore. But what I want to just mention here is how you're actually going to ensure that Darnold does not perform as well as Allen in this week one matchup because they are quite similar in their, you know, experience and in their potential and all those other things. And, you know, a lot of them, a lot of analysts at least always compare the two, but how are you going to stop Darnold? And also how are the jets going to stop Allen? I think that even as a bills fan, we still want to take into consideration that there is another team here and that that other team is going to be trying to find ways to stop our quarterback too. Yeah. I mean, I'll start with your QB comparison to me. I think you're, you're bang on when you said, you know, the analysts seem to have gotten it wrong because Allen, I think, is the better QB than Darnold. Darnold ha- has been that typical sort of rookie QB who came out in his first year and looked pretty good and then regressed in year two. We saw some regression. Allen took a nice leap forward. Obviously, his first year, he wasn't great, inconsistent. He had a terrible cast around him. They had no receivers no running back. They really had nothing going on in that six and 10 year. And then he came out last year. They, you know, they had some nice pieces around him, John Brown, Cole Beasley, Devin Singletary. And you saw what he could do with those guys. And now we've added Stefan Diggs. We've added a second young running back. Who's going to be, I think better in the later downs, much better than Frank Gore, who by the way is now on the jets. Good luck with that. You know, he was a good guy, but he just, he's got nothing left. Um, so you can enjoy, you can enjoy him in, uh, in New Jersey. So yeah. And Darnold, he doesn't have the cast around him, but he's still, as you said, he's serviceable at this point. He, he he's, he's okay. I think the bills will be able to stop that, stop him. You know, if we want to be a top five defense in the league like we were last year, we've got to stop these middling QBs um, from doing much against us. We have what should be an improved defensive line from last year. So I don't think we should be allowing Le'Veon Bell, who way past his prime, to run all over us. So if we can stop the run and force Darnold to throw... Um, you know, deep third downs and and get to him. I'd like to see us get some more sacks this year. Uh, it was a little disappointing last year. At times, our pass rush sort of disappeared. I think we got to pressure, pressure the quarterback a little more, force Darnold into some bad decisions early, get him off his game, and hopefully it'll carry, carry it over to the rest of the game make him nervous, you know, see ghosts, as they say, in the pocket. Um, yeah, so I, I think that um, our de- defensive line is better than their defensive line. Um, I think throughout our defense, we're going to be able to pressure Darnold more than Allen's going to be pressured. And ultimately, I think that's going to win us the game. And I also, you know, when I mentioned, I, I want to look at, what the Jets need to do as well to stop Josh Allen and the Bills. And I feel like, and and you can comment on this as well, I feel like they're going to bait Allen a little bit to do two separate things. One, I think they're going to bait him into running. I think that they want to test him, and not because they don't believe he can run, but that they believe that they can strip him. It should be mentioned that Allen fumbled quite a bit last year, 
and so did Darnold. So it's it's funny that you have you know we have that comparison as well. They both have some of those those issues, but I think that the Jets are are going to take bring pressure to Allen, but enough where they're going to force him to run and use his legs, and they're going to try to strip the ball. That's the first thing. I also think they're going to bait him into throwing the deep ball. Now, as Bills fans, we know and we've heard nonstop through training camp that Josh Allen has improved his deep ball accuracy. His deep ball accuracy was one of the lowest, if not the lowest, in the entire NFL last year. And it's funny because his deep ball was much better in his rookie season. And when he worked on his middle and short yardage throws, somehow his deep ball sort of fell off the mark last year. So if his deep ball is better, I would love to see the Jets try to bait him to do that. And let's see if his deep ball is improved and see if he can beat them deep. So I think that they're going to do those two things. I think they're going to want Allen to run and they're going to want him to throw deep. And maybe it's a combination of also just getting him to throw on the run and throw deep. And I'm hoping that he responds well to that and either is extremely careful when he does decide to run and make sure he slides cleanly or goes out of bounds. And more importantly, I hope, or not more importantly, but also I hope that he can hit some deep routes. You know, hit Stefan Diggs, our new addition, who's incredible on deep routes, hit him on those plays. And I want to see him take advantage. If they want to bait him to do it, I want to see him take advantage of that. Yeah, I, I think those are really good points. I'd, I'd like to see Josh Allen complete a couple deep balls. Obviously, last year he struggled mightily at doing that. There were not many times where he was able to complete it. His percentage was very low. If he comes out and is able to complete a couple deep balls early, that'll really give him some confidence. And it'll give defenses for the rest of the season, you know, another thing to worry about with Josh Allen. You know, obviously we know he can run. He's, he's very gifted athletically. We've seen that in the past. He fixed that sort of short intermediate throw last year. He was greatly improved from year one and but his as you said his deep ball kind of was gone he he was not able to complete it and this year there's sort of no excuse he has Stefan Diggs on one side he has John Brown on the other he has Gabe Davis coming in as the next guy on the outside there's three guys he can throw deep balls to so even if you're double teaming Stefan Diggs you got John Brown on the other side we know their connection they had last year. It didn't translate always to the deep ball, but he had great connection with John Brown. And interestingly enough, the Jets have one solid cornerback in Pierre Desir, but beyond that, they're pretty thin. So I think they can really take advantage of their second corner. So whoever they decide to put their top corner on, Stefan Diggs, John Brown, maybe sometimes one of them, sometimes the other, the other guy should be able to get open. So I think there'll be opportunities for the deep ball. It's just a question of Josh Allen's accuracy. And I do hope he, you know, I like when he mixes in running, especially against a Jets team that is actually very tough to run against. That's the strength of their defense is their run defense. So it might be tough sledding for Devin Singletary and Zach Moss so we might need Josh Allen to improvise and and you know run well in in order to take advantage of the Jets defense but that deep ball especially early in the game sets the tone and then really allows you to run the ball better get guys out of out of the box and getting after the QB if they're worried about him going over the top so I really hope to see that on Sunday. So to wrap this up, I want to give some predictions. I want to do two things. I want us each to give a bold prediction for one player, and it can be one statistic, two statistics, whatever we want. And then we'll each give our final score predictions. So I'm going to start 
and I'm going to give my two predictions. One, my bold prediction is Josh Allen goes for over 300 yards passing. I see it happening. And I also think he's going to throw for three touchdowns. I think he's going to go off. I don't, and again, I don't think the Bills are going to dominate the Jets. I don't think they're going to win by a lot. But I think Josh Allen is going to have a hell of a day. My prediction for the score is going to be 24 to 10 for the Bills. That's right. So I only think they're also going to get a field goal outside of Allen's three touchdown throws. They're not going to get any running touchdowns. That's my predictions. It's unbelievable. That score that you said was exactly what I was thinking. But I'll go hand in hand with your yardage prediction for Josh Allen. I'm going to say Stefan Diggs is going to get 140 yards and two touchdowns. One of them is going to be a deep ball, and one of them is going to be just a nice slant. That's what I'd like to see tomorrow. I'd like to not tomorrow, Sunday. I'd like to see Stefan Diggs go big. He's going to be our number one receiver this year. I think John Brown's also going to get over 1,000 yards, but Stefan Diggs will be higher than that. And you know what? Just to, just to go a little different than you, score prediction, I'm going to go 31 to 13. I think we're going to take it to them early. Allen's going to start off hot. Our defense is going to get after Darnold. And we're going to blast them 31 to 13. I like it. I love over on the same page, but the score. I'm also, the, the whole time that you're talking about digs, I'm just fist pumping. You know, we, we didn't talk about our bold predictions before this. So it's incredible. Yeah, I would love to see Stefan Diggs go for 140 yards plus, two touchdowns. I mean, I should also mention he's on my fantasy team. I wanted to get Josh Allen. Someone took him. And I couldn't get him, but I have Diggs and I'm starting him. So if he puts up those kind of numbers, I mean, and I'm not looking to trade him, but I'm sure I'll get a ton of trade offers. So it's exciting. Yeah. I mean, look, it's awesome that we have such an incredible offense now, or at least an exciting offense that has potential. And, you know, of course, like you mentioned, the Bills defense hopefully is going to be lights out and really shut down Darnold. But um, yeah, I, I think that that, sort of wraps everything up and I just I want to thank you again for for coming out Kev I know you love being on this and we love having you it's it's awesome to talk bills and it's amazing so often we're on the exact same page and you gave a different score um prediction but you actually wanted to give the same as mine so it's it's nice that we are on the same page and for those of you listening if you have a different prediction or if you have another bold prediction that you think we should have talked about Send us a message. Message me at NFL on Twitter or send a message to our dedicated Twitter or Facebook accounts at Herd10. And again, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or if you listened on a different um, streaming service but you can access Apple Podcasts, please go to our page at Herd10 or search Herd10 and please give us a five-star review. It really helps with the rankings, and it shows me that you're loving the show. So thank you, everyone, for listening, and thank you, Kevin, for coming out and doing another episode, and go Bills. Go Bills. Can't wait for Sunday. my wings and going. Is this wings to go? <laughs> Who wants some hot wings? Warning, Seven Wings 6 features food-based stunts and stupid performances, either by the professionals or under the supervision of trained professionals. To ensure that these hot wings are eaten correctly, according to the BICBP and the producers, must insist that no one attempts to recreate or unknowingly eat any of these hot wings. Infernal and suicide wings are no joke. Leave it to the professional idiots that do these stunts and activities. Watch Seven Wings Six. Seven Wings Six. What will we do next? Whatever the we want. 
The NFL is entertainment, and that's how it should be treated. Check out the Dear Pats Nation podcast with Ray Route as I navigate my way through the biggest NFL stories. My lighthearted, comedic approach to the game of football, the players, and all the teams around the NFL provides my listeners with that much-needed distraction from real life. I host engaging guests that are just as passionate about football as I am. Let's throw professionalism out the window. This isn't serious football content. This is just premier sports entertainment. You can find me on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, RayRoute.com, and the Dean Blundell Network. Hey, it's Joel Williamson, host of That Nerd Dad podcast. Look, finding time for yourself is an important part of parenting. It allows us to be the best version of ourselves for our kids. So tune in every week to talk about parenting, pop culture, and politics. Whether you're an exhausted parent looking for a laugh or a stone teenager who clicked on this by mistake, this is the podcast for you. You can find me on Spotify, Apple, Google, the Dean Blundell Network, or at thatnerddad.ca.